Chorsey Eisen for like <laughs> dog. And a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam Maguire Cup to Graham County, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. On today's show, we're looking back at the European Indoor Athletics Championships in Poland and reflecting on Phil Healy's star-making 400m final performance. We'll also catch up with two-time Irish boxing champion Christina Desmond who's set to miss out on a chance to qualify for the Olympics without throwing even one punch in anger. Finally, we'll hear from John Hines of Corsi Rovers about an upcoming community wellness webinar with Connor Cusack, which takes place on Wednesday evening. But Kieran, there's only one place to start this week, and that's with the Balanine Bullet, who gave a career-defining performance in Torunya on Saturday, finishing fourth in the 400-metre final. And it's safe to say Phil had the entire country behind her in Poland. I think it's fair to say a nation held its breath on Saturday night, Jack. Um, everyone tuned in to watch Phil Healy in her first final at a major championships and what a performance she turned in. To run a personal best in a European final is an incredible performance and she finished just outside the medals um, when she came in in fourth place. But I think the big takeaway is that she looked so much at home on the big stage. She looked so comfortable with the elite athletes in the world and like I said there, she more than held her own. So. That's a huge confidence booster for Phil Healy, Phil Healy to take away from the European indoors, that she was able to produce three top-class, world-class performances within 36 hours. She ran 52 seconds flat in her heat on Friday, which was 100 of a second outside her PB. She won her semi-final then that Friday night, and then to come out on Saturday to finish fourth and to produce another PB, this time it was 51.94 seconds, is incredible running. She didn't bring home a medal, but like, like you'll hear from her quite soon, what she takes away from these championships in terms of her overall learnings is like a medal for her because she's shown that she can live with the best um, athletes in Europe and the best athletes in the world because that was a stacked field. That was a world-class field. So um, incredible weekend for Phil Healy. And I was saying to you off, off air, Jack, it kind of, it really feels like a kind of coming-of-age moment for Phil Healy. It's like Ireland fell in love with her on Saturday night because the outpouring of, of, I suppose, appreciation for her and love and um, just at what she achieved was absolutely incredible to see that over the last couple of days. And she's been on numerous radio stations since. She's been in, in all the papers and she deserves that, that coverage. And she, she deserves all these column inches and, and radio time because she's probably the best Irish athlete at the moment, in, in, obviously in terms of women sprinting, what she's achieved. She's the 100 metre, 200 metre national record holder. She's going to, going to be going to the, to the Olympics in the 200 metres, maybe as well in the 400 metres. So it's um, great times for Phil Healy. And just uh, watching back the race this morning, I watched it twice just before we recorded. And what struck me was just how calm she looked in the closing stages of the race. She never looked flustered, even for a second because you said you rightly pointed out like she looked totally at ease on 
that stage like the highest stage really in European athletics and she did not look out for depth at all she was just calmness personified and really showed why she has become one of Ireland's most exciting athletes 100 percent um to be coming down that home straight that final straight and to be in contention for a medal at a major race in the European championships in one of the elite events there one of the one of the big events to 400 meters it just tells you how far Phil has come and what company she's now keeping in and how how comfortable she is in that com- company she was only two tenths of a second off bronze medal which is incredible and like I said already she ran a she ran a PB of 5194 and like Phil told us on the podcast and I'm constantly telling her and joking with her West Cork has taken over Jack we've been saying that in this podcast for enough times now West Cork sport is taking over and it's an an incredible time for West Cork sport and I'm going to ask you and the listeners to indulge me just for a second because I really think we're living through a golden era for West Cork sport and everyone from West Cork should be so so proud of what our local sports people are achieving on the the local national and international stages because I suppose the, the truth of it is this won't last forever there'll come a point when our current sports stars w- will move on so we really need to live in the moment and enjoy what our West Cork sports people are how, how how they're performing and how they're putting West Cork on the map. So just for a second, right in athletics, we Phil Healy, Joan Healy, Darren Darren McElhinney. We have Nicola Tuttle, two a young hammer tour from Kilbritton, uh, who is the national senior champion. Big things of her and Bandon Athletic Club are doing super things. In rugby, we've Gavin Coombs, Liam Coombs, Darren Sweetenham, Finneen Witcherly, Josh Witcherly, John Hodnett, Jack Crowley, James Fringe, Inya Breen, and Laura Sheehan. And there's more in the Munster Academy like Keen Hurley. Turn to road for a second. We've Gary O'Donovan, Paul O'Donovan, Fintan McCarthy, Jake McCarthy, Lydia Heafy, Aoife Casey, Emily Hegarty, and Dominic Casey as the Rome coach. Look at the GA for a second. Martino O'Brien, Melissa Duggan, Anya Terry O'Sullivan, Libby Coppinger, Neve Cotter, the Kylies, Laura Mahoney, and more. Turn to Camogie, and this is from West Cork again, with Orla Cronin, and congrats to her. She picked up her first All-Star last weekend, so it was a a great Saturday night for the, the, the townland of Nakanidi in Valenine because Phil and uh, Orla were in the same school growing up and they only live a kilometre apart. So huge congrats to Orla Cronin as she picked up her first All-Star. And we also have Libby Coppinger doing great things with the Cork Camogie team as well. Kickboxing, Tony Stevenson, Lily Delacour, world champions um, in soccer. Conor Horan, obviously putting West Cork soccer on the map. We've Denzel Fernandez with, with Shelburne. We've Ronan Hurley with Cork City. Um, we're going to claim Jack Walsh from from Shannon too, who was also joined with Cork City. Men's football, you've Brian Hurley, Mark Collins, Rory Dean, Kevin O'Driscoll, Mark White, Sean White, Morris Shenley. The list goes on and on and on. And what I'm trying to say here, Jack, is that West Cork sport is going through an incredible high at the moment. And we all need to I suppose, just sit back for a second and just think, wow, absolutely incredible. Um we're all so, so proud of what they've achieved. And that's why it was so great to see what Phil Healy, what, what she achieved last Saturday night. Because again, it just highlights West Cork. It shows the strength of West Cork and how special West Cork is for sport. Great stuff, Kieran. Well, uh, yeah, there's no arguing that West Cork is enjoying a real period of triumph. And it's probably no coincidence that it's kind of coincided with me joining the Southern Star around three years ago but anyway sorry sorry, i couldn't resist that but um we're going to catch up with phil now you caught up with her kieran last night so how was she keeping she must be buzzing after her performance 
That's exactly the word to use, Jack. She was buzzing. She was on a high. Um, she'd one hour sleep on Saturday night because she'd travel back from Poland on Sunday. So she spent most of Sunday traveling back um, to back home to Ireland or back home to Waterford, where, where she's based at the moment. So, yeah, an incredible high. She's taken so much from the weekend. Um, but before we go on to the Phil, just to mention Joan Healy too. Joan was in action at the European Championships as well. She finished eight in her heat of the 60 metres on Sunday morning. So she bowed out at that stage. But I was chatting to her for this week's star and she's already taken the, the positives forward and she's more targets ahead. So it's great to see the two Healy sisters were flying the West Cork flag again on the European stage. But like you said, I caught up with, with Phil just to get her thoughts and reflections on an incredible weekend for her. We're delighted now to be joined on the podcast by Phil Healy, who's coming off the back of a sensational European Indoors Championships. Um, first off, we're talking on Monday, so happy International Women's Day, Phil. And second off, congratulations on a last weekend at the European Indoors, um, finishing fourth, PB in the final, incredible couple of days. How have the last couple of days been for you? Oh, it's been crazy, like, and then, like, I'm on an absolute high from the whole thing and absolutely buzzing and like to come away with fourth, yes, it's so close to a medal, but like it might as well be a medal for me. Like I, I ran the quickest time I ever ran running a PB in the final. It was a messy race. I ran lane and ran the second lap basically in lane two, the last 50 in lane four. So like I gave myself extra work, but obviously that has to, you have to do that in a, in a championship race. So to come out with a PB in my third race, in 36 hours, like, I'm just absolutely buzzing. And, like, I I gave it everything, like, even coming through um, the media zone after because you're whipped off straight off the track and, like, you're shoved with a mask straight on, on straight away. Like, I was like, where is the nearest bin? Like, I just need to get sick. <laughs> but um, they had to give me a black bag to walk through the rest of the media zone in case I got sick again. So, for me, that's my medal because I know that I walked off the track, gave it everything, and um, there was nothing more that I could have done in that race. We talked a couple of weeks ago and we talked about championship running and you were saying like you don't go out chasing times. But if you look at your three performances over those two days, you did 52 seconds flat in the heat and then to come up with a PB of 51.94 in the final itself. Like that's sensational running. 100% and like championship racing is different. Like you can go in and you can be ranked so high. Like I was ranked fifth going in. There's other major championships where I've gone ranked fifth and I haven't come out nowhere near it and I've messed up. So championship racing is different and times does go out the window but you need it in terms of seeding so to have that time going in it gave me a good lane draw with lane five or six and I got lane five in the in the heat and like I knew I have to be head of the Swiss athlete um in the heat because she's about six foot tall and I knew she was going to like come storming in on the side um but, and then going down the back straight, like all that was going through my head is control, control, control. Because that's what Shane said. Like, there's no need to kick, just control from the front. And if you need to kick when you need to do, do it. So like to run 52 flat, I knew there was an awful lot more to give um, for the next race. But like, you come, like you, it's a mad rush that day on that Friday because you, I was up at quarter to eight and I was racing again at quarter to eight that night. So it's a long, long day. And like, you get back to the hotel after the heat and you have to bring yourself down to bring yourself back up again and then just to, to qualify through to the same or to qualify in the semi then again getting the win again like it was just unbelievable but then in comparison to the final the it all the pressure is taken away almost because you don't have to qualify and to get through so it's just like when I was at say the world indoor tour um a few years ago or when I went to Milrose games it's just like a high profile race 
and everything before it has just gone out the window and it's just about executing and racing. And I knew it was going to be a clash at the bell, but I put myself in contention and uh, I gave it everything. Take me back to Friday night. So after you won the semi-final, so you two races on Friday, you won your heat and you won the semi-final. And by winning the semi-final, you booked your place in your first final at a major championships, which that like that's like almost psychologically too, that's breaking a barrier to get through to that, that medal race. So when you go back to the hotel on Friday night, what were you feeling like? What did could, could you go to sleep that night? Were you, you know, what was it, what was it like? Yeah, there's pure excitement and it's on a caffeine absolute high because like I had taken caffeine for the heat. I had taken caffeine for the semi. So like my body was just in like a whole other other level, just buzzing. So like I, I went to sleep at about, I think it was two o'clock that night or something like that. And then at least I had the, um, the next morning to sleep in. I was meant to get up for a COVID test. So I made sure that I had my COVID test done on the the night after of the semi um, so that I could sleep in um, and then it was just about resting for the day and going again but I was on an absolute high and then after the final I got one hour sleep I went to sleep at half uh, quarter past five we had to leave the hotel at quarter past six uh, at half six so I was up at quarter past six um, so yeah it was just it was just crazy Have you had time you, to look back at that final like kind of and analyse the different parts of the final because when you look at the, the, the six athletes there, it was stacked. Like it was a world-class field, you know, some of the best runners in the world there. So when you look back at it now, what are your thoughts? Like it's insane. And even the girl, Lika Claver, she was fifth. So we always knew that she was going to work really hard because that's what she does all the time. Um, she's ranked number two in Europe with a 51-2 and she's ran 51s all season long. So to be head of her, even alone, um, is a massive achievement. But um, it's just great to see that like, everything was so close and I am now like in that territory with all of them and like I messed up Glasgow two years ago um in 2019 so like I didn't want to be just like a, a serial semi-finalist all the time and just making it to the semis and then bowing out or not executing it properly and like there was many girls at Europeans this year who went in with ranked highly ranked and didn't make it through the true to the semis because they didn't execute properly so every race is going to be different you can like I was on the phone to Shane after every race because obviously this was a different championships as well like and he was back at home and I'd say it's about his fourth race in seven years that he's ever missed um, and of course it has to be the biggest one where we got to the final and he's at home but anyway um yeah it's just different like so like you can play the race over a million and one times but when you're in it you just have to react on your feet because it can go anyway um but looking back on it, like it's just to be with all those girls and the top two have medaled at um, world championships before. Um, Jody, who was third, has um, many world and European medals outdoors as well. Um, so just to be in contention with all of them and to run a PB in a world class field. And like it's the quickest European final in years or like in a long time. And that 51-9 would have medaled at the last five European indoors, which spans a 10-year process because they're held every 10 years. So um knowing that and knowing the the stats from that, like it's just insane. But um it'll be a massive boost like to to take it away um from here. Like I was buzzing, people were coming up to me and they were afraid to see if I was like disappointed or not. And I was like, I couldn't be happier, like you know. So like for me it was I might as well have a medal. And like I saw an article there Gillick had earlier and I was like I didn't lose third, I won fourth, um, and that is a medal for me, and like, Carl Denny had an article before the race saying that I needed to have um, the race of my life, and I was like, you know what, enough people have doubted me along the way, 
and I produced a race in my life, so um, I gave it everything and I have to walk off the track happy. I think in your touch to there, Phil, you showed last weekend that you belong at that level. Like you mixed it with the very best in the sport and you more than held your own and you were right in that hunt for medals right in the very end. So how much confidence can you take off that going forward? It's massive. And like say, even previous championships, I would say have had the speed, but I may necessarily not have had the last 50. And I'm like come to 350 and then it's just like I'm swimming to the line and just fighting for my position. And like say in Glasgow, I necessarily didn't have the speed, but I was stronger coming home. But now having the two together and knowing that I could kick off the last bend and like that's where people people didn't rate me either they're always like expecting me to just have it to 350 so um it is it is a massive boost like and like I can't get better than this it's a it's a European final it's a fourth it's a stacked field it's a the quickest performance that I've ever done it's highly ranked in the the top times in Ireland um ever so like yeah it's just it's just massive and as well looking towards Tokyo it'll bring me massive ranking points and bonus points in on top of it so um it'll uh, slot me nicely into the into the system that brings us nicely on to talk about the olympics and um, as you've spoken about before you're in a very very good place to qualify in the 200 meters for tokyo this summer uh with the 400 meters now what's the plan with that are you taking a doubling up the 204 would you specialize in one over the other or have you given it much thought so far yeah, so the 200 will obviously be the main aim, and that's where I'm ranked highly at the moment, 29th out of 56 or something. But even looking at the the 400 at the weekend, we get we all get our splits because um, we're wearing transponders inside our um, numbers. And, like, we split at 23.8, um, and you're not going all out. So, like, I was on the phone to Shane after, and I was like, when is my next 200? Like, I need to run a 200 because, like, the signs are great because that was my, my third race and to do 23-8 um, going through and splitting it and coming home so you need five times to run to get onto the ranking system for the 400 as well the 51.99 from the micromeet um, a few weeks ago will have me really highly ranked this will be massive points from the final um, there was no uh, bonus points from the semi but you can only hold two points two times from indoors anyway so all we need is three race outdoors and um, hopefully that we can go there in two events. They don't overlap. The 200 is first um, the 400 is the day after. So um, we'll see how it goes and uh, fingers crossed. But when we're in the position that we can potentially qualify, why not give it a go? Because that's the type of training that works for me anyway. So um, I will mix it with the two and like things are looking really good in terms of four by four as well. Like we had three girls qualified in the 400 for this European Indoor Championships, which has never happened. We have two girls in the um, in the States, two Irish girls in the States at the moment who are running super quick times as well. Um, so put all the girls together and there's definitely massive potential to qualify for a 4x4 and a mixed 4x4 as well. These are very exciting times for you, Phil, and for Irish Athletics. And you touched, uh, when well, you named him there, Shane McCormick. Um, he's almost an honorary West Cork win at this stage. He came down a couple of years ago for the, the Celtic Ross West Cork Sports Star Awards. And I think he fell in love with West Cork. And I think West Cork fell in love with, with, with Shane too. So just a couple of words about him. Like, kind of, since you've joined forces all those years ago, you've gone from strength to strength to strength. And you mentioned there that he wasn't in Poland um, last weekend because of obviously everything that's going on. So... I suppose a couple of words about him, his influence over these last couple of years and even his influence last weekend. 100% like, and Shane is like, I wouldn't be there without Shane. So like, I can do all the training, but if the if Shane's work wasn't there, then the performance isn't going to come out. And like Shane has been, I've been working with Shane since the end of 2013. 
Um, so to come out and like he's seen all the good days and the bad days and like we've had many many bad days but we've many good days as well so like this is the absolute highlight of of everything and like it was hard when he wasn't there to share the moment with him and I like I saw him on Zoom last night because the when I rocked in the um the housemates told me they weren't going back till Tuesday but anyway they were they were back in the house lights turned off waiting for me to come in and the the training group were there but like when I will see Shane like to share this moment with him as well like and all the work that he's put in like so many people in other sports ask like is this Shane's job and it's not Shane's job like Shane is um a director in um, an IT company as well so he has massive pressure in terms of work he's balancing his family life and then he does like professional coaching on the side as well so like what he does is absolutely crazy and like in other countries he's a like he would be a paid full-time coach but he's not it's a a volunteer position it's a a hobby as such for him and he gives it everything and like he will never leave any stone unturned no matter what and he will fight to the end and he will find all the information that he needs to get so um no everything is down to to Shane and he leads the whole thing and with the training group and the environment that he creates and the people that he brings in in terms of physios and physiologists and all that different things like he will he leads it and he will make everything happen and it's a testament to him like he he has created the result I do the easy part of the running he has the programming he's trying to balance uh, are we doing a 200 are we doing a 400 where will we put this in where will we put that in so um he has the hard job and I do the easy bit of running and the planning is down to him and uh he certainly aced that one anyway. Incredible work for Shane. And a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, Phil, we were saying that West Cork is taking over, right? But I'm going to hone in a bit closer. Knockneedy is taking over because last Saturday night, while Phil Healy raced to her best ever performance of fourth in the European indoors, Orla Cronin, your neighbour from what had over the road, won her first Camogie All-Star. And um, your primary school put up this picture. And I know you've seen it by now, this brilliant picture of yourself and Orla in your national school days. So... What, what a night for knocking Edie Bellinina in the skiing. Oh, it was crazy. And like seeing that picture after, and that picture has been everywhere since it's been on the Irish Examiner and things like that. But, and I was messaging Orla after, like it's absolutely super. And like West Cork will always take over. West Cork was trending on Twitter today um, in Ireland. Uh, but people just need to realise like the talent that is in West Cork and like Orla producing an all-star performance um, in the year that it was in, like it's just a credit to her and all the work that she's done. And like, across all the different sports what West Cork has um, and then like that picture was gas and like the throwback to it and I was in the year ahead of Orla in um, in primary school and she literally lives um, down the road so it was crazy and I played camogie with Orla the whole ways up um, but yeah it's absolutely mental and to have it in the, such a small village such a small area um, it's crazy but like it shows even more so um, the talent that's in West Cork across all sports at a top, top level. I touched base with Orla yesterday when I saw the photo, just to, just to get a bit of background. And she thinks it's from a, a Cork primary school sports day where he won a relay event. So, Phil, you said you played Camogie there. So would you make a better Camogie player or would Orla make a better sprinter if, if you just swap sports? I'd say Orla make a better sprinter now that we come back into, into Camogie. No, um, yeah, I gave it up when I was about... Um, 16, 17, um, and folks fully on the athletic, but no, I'll stick to the sprinting side now and I will leave the Camogie to Orla. <laughs> I know, it was an absolutely brilliant weekend for, for Orla, especially for you as well, and for West Cork Sport in general. Um, we're all so proud of you again, Phil, you're, you're putting West Cork on the map, so congratulations, and it's onwards and upwards for the next couple of weeks and months. Super, Karen, thanks a million. 
Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Two-time Irish boxing champion Christina Desmond has had her Olympic dreams dashed by the ongoing COVID-19 restrictions. Desmond had been gearing up for a last chance qualifying tournament in Paris in June, but the pandemic has had other ideas and the competition has been scrapped. A new points-based qualification system has replaced the cancelled tournament and though some Irish boxers have benefited, Christina is not one of them. I caught up with the Kilimanjaro welterweight last night and I started by asking her where she was when she got the bad news. We might as well jump straight in, Christina, with the disappointing news you received recently and that is that your Olympic dream is over for now at least and through no fault of your own. So just kind of give me an idea of where were you maybe when you got word that you weren't going to get a chance to qualify for the Tokyo Games. Yeah, um, funny story. So I was working all weekend and um, I actually uh, was deemed a close contact on Friday night at work of the COVID-19. So um, I actually had to go home to Cork and I had to isolate in, in another house away from my family. So I was on my own, um, you know, for precaution measures. I didn't meet any of them. I just went straight into another house and um, I was on my own for the whole weekend um, and so Monday morning, um, I got a text. I was trying to ring Bernard Dunn, the high performance director, to inform him on the Monday morning because I didn't want to be ringing him on the weekend. You know, I was I was alive and well, so I was fine. But I was due to be in training that week in Dublin, so I was trying to ring him to tell him that I couldn't make it up to Dublin to 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 train. And um, he said, "I'll ring you in a bit, minute. I'm in meetings." So he was finding out that morning. I didn't notice, but um, so he said, I'll, I'll talk to you after the meeting at one o'clock. And the Zoom meeting, we're having a team meeting. So this was an unplanned Zoom meeting. So we were just um, all went on to Zoom. And, and he told us then that um, the European qualifier will go ahead as it stands and the world qualifier is cancelled. So, um, yeah, it was a big blow. No one expected it. There was no talks of it. There was nothing in the media. Um, it wasn't leaked or anything. No boxers knew nothing until they were told, literally, you're not going, um, and that's it. And whoever is at the European qualifiers only have one one chance or whatever. And then hope hope for the best that you're ranked high enough. So, um, yeah, it was a big massive blow. I was on my own isolation, so it was, it was even worse to try take on my own. And um, yeah, but look, this this is how it goes. You know, I'm happier. I found out now than what it would. You know, if if I carried on to June or whatever, like you know. But it really um, was. It really was out of the blue, like you say, because there had been no murmurings from anywhere and then the first I had heard that there may have been some boxers qualified and some were going to miss out was Joe O'Neill and IrishBoxing.com was trying to tot up all the points he seemed to be the only person outside of I guess the high performance unit that that would have known anything and the way you describe it there as well that you happen to have been by yourself isolating so that must have been tough news to take I know you said it was better than if you had found out at a later date but I suppose what went through your mind when you first heard the news did you feel like you'd not I, w- I wouldn't say wasted all the time that you had spent training in the lead up to the Paris qualifier but what what kind of feelings were going through your mind um so I had been trying to train and work at the same time so it was a long long period of time where, where I was trying to juggle one from the other so like like I wasn't training as hard as what I should have been because I, I actually was um in work a lot more because of the, the lockdown we couldn't get leave um we were under pressure we didn't have enough numbers i was trying to 
be, be in and be out. And, um, you know, I, I was focusing on that from, from March onwards, I was going to focus my whole time for boxing and um, go for it for the qualifier in June. So, um, yeah, I was disappointed. Um, I, I'd been training all over Christmas and everything. Um, there was supposed to be national championships in January, so I was training all along anyway. And then once the qualifiers, once I found out that, I went for a run straight away and I was trying to process it. And I was like, what the hell? Like, do you know, that it's not just the last year that I've been training. It's been my whole life, really. You know, like it's, um, I missed the Olympics back in 2016, but they weren't my goal anyway because I was only 18 at the time. You know, I only missed them by one fight. So looking back, I was like, ah, sure, look, I was only young, you know. But um, I'll go, 2020 will be my one, obviously. 2020 didn't work out, but 2021, you know, it still gave me another year of training. And um, as we all wished, I'd say, just to have it finished with last summer, not finished with, but, you know, have it done with last summer um, and we, we could relax for a bit of this year and, and go on. But um, that didn't happen. So, look, it's been a lot, a long few years of, of training and a long few years of ups and downs and struggles. And then to find out that and um, that you don't even get a chance or an opportunity um, and that they're doing it. I think they're doing it unfairly. I don't think the Olympics is going to be the same Olympics that it is going to be. Fair play to whoever gets it, but there will it will not be a proper Olympics if if, if I you know if I, I yeah I, let's I see it that way. Let's just kind of dwell on that point for a second then, because I suppose maybe three, three years ago we'll say you probably would have been seen as maybe not an outside bet, but you wouldn't have been the favoured boxer in Ireland to have gone on to the run that you've had on. But you've actually put yourself or you had put yourself in pole position for Olympic qualification by obviously winning the two Irish titles back to back and then performing gallantly at both the Worlds and the Europeans. You finished in the top eight at both of those. So you looked like you were on course to qualify and then to miss out through no fault of your own. You're not even going to get to throw a punch in anger for a place at the Olympics. So it's kind of, it's like what people within boxing might say, well, that's just boxing for you. It's never as smooth or seamless as it should be. No, no. No, it's, um, yeah, so, like, I was 75 kilo all up along because, obviously, I went to the Youth Olympics back 2014, and that was my weight. And I knew I couldn't compete, no, I can compete with them girls, but I can't, you know, they're too strong for me. I'm too small at 75 kilo. So, myself and my trainer, Tom Power at home in Cork, made the decision, we're going to go 69 and boxing, not boxing 75 anymore, you know. Cut the weight, made it easy. There was no issues. Um, I knew I was I had the beatings of the girls in the country. I knew I had the beatings of the girls all around the world. Um, so fair enough, I only had one year run at the Europeans and the worlds at that weight. But I still finished top eight, losing on tight, narrow decisions, you know, to, to the girls that went on and won it in both the competitions. Um, I lost both times on split decisions, I think, to, you know, the Russian and the Europeans. And in the worlds, I lost to the Turkish girl who is now the world number one, like, you know, so I've lost some narrow decisions to both of them. I know on any given day I can beat any of the two girls, you know, um, they're all full-time athletes and I made the decision to go on and get my career in Garda Shikona as well as train. Um, would it be different if I decided to put my time fully in the boxing and not in Garda Shikona as well? Um, maybe so. I might be qualified by now. I might have had reached my spot or I might still be in the European Championships um, that it, that are still going to go on, but then you know it's just there's so many things. Oh, what if and what if this and what if that? But to be honest, I would have I would have believed fully that I would have qualified at the world qualifiers in um, in June, but that's just how it goes. <laughs> well, let's park the disappointment then for a second and 
maybe just look to the future because you're obviously still young you're still active so i presume you don't have any intention of turning professional so do you think you're going to switch your focus now and start to target the paris olympics or is that too far away to even think about at this stage no um well when it came first i you know i don't, I don't know yet what i'm going to do and um, there has been pro pros have i have been approached i have been asked would i go pro what if you did this what if you did that um look it's a decision that i make is you know with, with my family and all that um you know they've been with me all along so I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. Um, I, I do think I'm going to go for Europeans and Worlds in the amateur game still. Uh, I still think I, I have to prove myself at that. Um, I feel there's medals in me and that there's top top finish, finishing places in me. Um, I'm still only 24. I'm young. I'm only a baby, really. Um, so I have I have a lot, a lot of years in me. Um, there's, a, there's a lot to weigh up. I... The, the pro game then I don't really like the business side of it like you know I just want to get in a box so uh, I don't like the, the shit talk or the but the, just the, on, you know, the, on on the pro game and the, the shit talk I see one of your old rivals from the amateur game announced on social media today that she's turning professional Sandy Ryan and she's well known to be able to talk and uh, hype fights through social media so if you were to turn pro there's a, a ready made rivalry there for you um, yeah, I suppose so. Uh, Sandy Ryan is well known all over the 69 kilo weight. Um, when I was drawn against her in the Worlds, was it? Yeah. Um, it was massive because you know she was she was the queen at the weight um, from from GB and oh Sandy Ryan this and Sandy Ryan that and it didn't really phase me like uh, the name like you know she she's such a following on, on Instagram and for such a following on on all social media platforms and it, it you know I was like. This is my chance now. This, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm at 69 kilo now. Like it'll be a good test. And um, you know, beating her, she didn't like that. Like you know, so um, I was delighted with that win. That that made me, you know, think. You know, these these girls are at 69 years. Like you know, they they should they should be over me. You know, not not that they should be over me, but they, they're well used to the ropes at 69 kilo. So um, yeah. I don't have rivalries with anyone, to be honest with you. I don't have rivalries even with my number two and number three counterparts in Ireland. Um, I get along good with most people, to be honest with you. But um, well, you can you can blame me for stoking the fire, and I'm going to stoke it even further now by saying maybe Sandy Sandy Ryan was scared into the professional game, having had to come face to face with you at the Worlds. I don't know about that now. <laughs> There's a lot better girls out there as well, but um, yeah, look everyone hits a rough part in their career I don't think Sandy Ren was going through a good patch in her career that's not nothing said I do believe I beat her and I beat her well you know on on on, on in the fight but um yeah look I I do wish her best luck in the pro game but if, if it happens that I turn pro I'd have no issue fighting her now great no, stuff I, I'm always nice and sweet but once it gets into the ring I'm not like that <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, all nice and modest but when it gets into the ring I'm not like that so but that don't happen until a few days before the fight, so <laughs> I, I have I have good people behind me to, to make that happen. <laughs> good stuff. Well, watch this space. Well, Christina, if you don't mind, I just want to park the boxing chat for a second. I want to ask you a bit about yourself outside the ring, because the last time we spoke, you had just recently qualified as a member of Angarda Siakana, as you've alluded to there. And then just a few months later, we were plunged into a global pandemic so that must have been some baptism of fire for a rookie on the force 
Yeah, um, it's been um, actually two years today I passed out. <laughs> um, so it's been a whirlwind, to be honest with you. Um, so I passed out on 8 March 2019. And I got stationed at Dungarvan, obviously. Um, love it here, absolutely love it. Love the job, the station's unreal. They've been very good to me. Um, my superintendent, Michael Lacey, has been top class. He's given me whatever I wanted. Um, I went to the Worlds, went to the Europeans, got that opportunity to travel abroad for them and got all the time I wanted for training. Um, finished top eight, as I said. So then I went on, I, you know, I, I learned so much in the job. I've learned, you know, met so many good people. And then next thing last year, one year in and the global pandemic hit. So it was, um, yeah, it was crazy. Work changed, everything changed, how we did things changed. And um, over the year, it's just been revolving and, there's new rules coming in every week and you always have to be, be on guard. Like, you know, and um, people are getting fed up with the pandemic and, you know, we're, we're, we're fed up with it as well, to be honest with you. But sure, look, this is the job we're in and um, we just have to go with it. So, yeah, it has been tough. I have, I've been only at home a few times since the, the pandemic hit and I got home for one or two days over Christmas. So it has been tough, but um, I'm liking it. I'm liking being on the front line. I'm liking working and... Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad I can get up and go to work every day and I'm glad I can try and make, make a change somehow in, in the job that I'm in. So. And you mentioned like the job changed totally as a result of the pandemic. Like obviously most people's jobs changed to some degree, but years and most people on the front line specifically. So how would you say personally you adjusted to the changes because you were, as you said, almost doing a totally different job to what you had trained for in Templemore and you were only in the job for a year before it hit um yeah so i suppose i was well used to what i was supposed to be doing in the station at that stage i was a year in when it did hit i was actually abroad at the european championships when at, well the european qualifiers when when everything came in and i had to come home and the morning i landed at home that the rule came in that i had to isolate for two weeks so i was out again for another two weeks at the start of it so i came into it when they the 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 units or the teams or you know that the station was already um two weeks into the pandemic so um it was just like this has changed you're doing this now you're doing that now you know we have to be cautious where we go we have to be cautious what we what who we talk to how we talk to them you know that kind of way um and everyone else was up in the air we were up in the air um so yeah it's been it's been a year that's been just up and down and um, we've been close contacts a few times you know we've had bad scares of you know, you could be a close contact and all that. And it's tough. It's tough in the mental health. Like, and then to to come home and not have a routine in my training or not have a routine in my boxing, you know, that went totally out the window. I was just working um, full-time. I was trying to train in between it. Um, it was tough now. Um, so then, you know, it came to points then where you, you'd be going to training camps and you'd have to do two weeks quarantine after. So um, trying to get time off for that length of time, you know, you could be trying... To, I, you know, four weeks I was off in October trying trying to train um, and then I had to isolate when I came home. So it's just, the, it's hard to do, do it now because the, the rules that are there. But um, no, it's, I, I do like it. And sometimes I just wonder why, why I decided to go for the job. But everyone has that in their jobs, I suppose. I do like it. And I'm, I'm glad I can make a positive impact on some people. Absolutely. And it never uh, fails to, impressed me the fact that you managed to balance a career as a member of Angara Shiakana and a full-time elite athlete so very impressive I can barely organize two runs 
during the week and uh, I'm not on the front line. But another thing you said to me in the past um, that I just want to touch on before we wrap up and that was that outside of actually participating in boxing, you don't really follow the sport. So away from work and away from training, what do you do to unwind? Are you a Netflix person? Do you go hiking? You mentioned you're based in Dungarvan. Do you enjoy cycling? What does Christina Desmond do when she has some downtime to herself? Um, more or less nothing, really. No, I, I like cycling. I have a racer. Um, I we I obviously the greenways here in Dungarvan, so we take off on the racer. Um, there's a lot of young young members of Dungarvan Shikana here in Dungarvan as well, so we do have good crack when we are off together. If we do get time off together, that's the thing. We're all, we're all in different units, I suppose. They've that done on purpose. <laughs> but uh, I'm only messing. But um, yeah, so um, I do like cycling. I enjoy walking. The, the beach is only two kilometres from my house. So um, I'm spoiled rotten in that kind of way. You know, people are dying to have places to go. I have loads of places to go here in Dungarvan and loads of places to see or coffee shops and all this. There's too many of them here. Um, so I just like to chillax. I don't really do much. Um, I have loads of friends as well here in Dungarvan. If I do get home... I just chill out at home with the family and all, and um, so yeah, I don't, I don't have many, too many things that I like. That I'm just, I'm easily pleased, really. Um, once I'm not under pressure from the job or under pressure from the boxing. <laughs> okay, so it's just been busy though. It has been busy. Yeah. Last question then, um, Christina. What does the rest of 2021 have in store for you in terms of boxing specifically? What are the goals for the next 18 months, I guess. Um, yeah, that's wide open. I've no idea, to be honest with you. Um, I got an email for times to go back onto the Irish team now, you know, to go back up to the high performance unit. Um, but uh, I just have to work it out with work. You know, it's, it's hard to go get time off at the moment. And um, I, I, I've no idea really what's in store. I haven't really done much training since I found out that the qualifiers weren't on, to be honest. Um, I kind of just was like, oh, I'm just going to relax. So I've been for cycles. I've done anything. I've been, tri- you know, I've been doing activities, but I haven't been doing anything training wise, boxing wise. You know, I've hit the bag maybe a few times, but I've not been sparring or anything. But look, I suppose with the amount of years that I have been doing it, a few weeks off. I only found out two and a half, two weeks ago, or was it three weeks today or something? So, um, yeah, it's just been nice to have downtime and. I got home in that period of time, so it was nice, yeah, but um, God only knows what the future holds. You know, they'll have to run out the Olympics now, I suppose, and um, I, I doubt there'll be much happening for the rest of 2020 in the boxing side of it. So um, to be honest with you, I'm going to put the head down, train myself. Um, I'm going, I'm looking forward to a year of just, um, you know, training myself and doing what, what I can do, and um I'm sitting a bit over my fighting that weight. I'm going to try and get down and sit on the weight. Normally boxers don't sit on the weight, but I feel much better at that weight. So um, that's what I'm going to do. That's my that's my goal. And I'm going to try and please myself and enjoy, enjoy it for a while because I'm sure the start of 2022, facing into another year, there'll be Europeans and Worlds all going well. COVID will be after uh, disappearing or we'll be living with it somehow. So um, I'll be ready for that when it when it does return and when, when I can go to Europeans and Worlds. And I'm sure um, Ungarish Shikana will, will be able to help me with that once once um, all of this relaxes. Brilliant stuff, Christina. Well, if anybody in Irish sport deserves a little break, it's definitely you. So as always, it's been a pleasure 
chatting to you. Thanks for taking the time and I look forward to continuing to follow your journey into the future. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Now, just a quick correction. In my intro, I said that Corsi Rovers are hosting a community wellness webinar on Wednesday night. It's actually on Thursday night. So apologies for that. It's Thursday night. And Kieran, you spoke to John Hines, who's part of the organization of this event. Yeah, the coverage or the pre-promotion of this event has been very visual on social media the last couple of days. And the organizers have called in a lot of this was big name uh, Cork sports people to help promote this event with the likes of Conor Horahan, David Hart, Orla Finn, and so on. They've all kind of added their voice to this. It's a community wellness event. Like you said, Jack, it's on this Thursday, March 11th, online at 7.30 p.m. It's a collaborative event hosted by Corsi Rovers, Kinsale Community School, and Kinsale Youth Support Services. And it's been billed as a night of truthful discussion on our emotional growth. And Conor Cusack, who's a very well-known mental health advocate will be one of the, the key speakers on the night. And they also have a kind of a panel discussion with, with Cork Camogie, Captain Linda Collins, and a couple of more. So this is well worth checking out. Like I said, Thursday, March 11th at 7.30 p.m. online. Um, check out CoursyRovers.com to find the link over the next couple of days. And also keep an eye on social media, on Twitter and Facebook. And that's where the link will, will be will be publicized um, ahead of Thursday night. So definitely worth checking out. It's going to be a very interesting conversation. Um, mental health is very topical at the moment as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to tuning into this. So again, Thursday night, March 11th at 7.30pm and you'll find the link on social media. We're joined now on the podcast by John Hines to talk about a very interesting and important webinar that is coming up this Thursday night, March 11th at 7.30pm and it's an online webinar like I was saying. Um, this is a collaborative event hosted by Corsi Rovers GA Club, Kinsale Community School and Kinsale Youth Support Services. Um, in the press release, John, it was kind of, it's titled a community wellness event with the journey comes emotional health. Can you explain to me what this webinar is about? Well, thanks, Kieran, and hello to you and to all your listeners, and, and thanks for inviting us onto the podcast this week. Yes, look, um, I think everybody's uh, well aware that the last year has been one of the greatest challenges this country has ever faced, and and everybody knows someone that has been adversely affected by it. Um, so I suppose the, the every parish or every community has its GA club. And, you know, that has been a large focal point for many, many years from a social, recreational and health perspective, both mental and physical. And our local club here uh, began a conversation around what could we do to support not just our players, our coaches, our volunteers and our committee members, but perhaps the wider community. And having looked around at work that has been done in this space, um, we got in contact with Connor Cusack, um, who I'm, I'm sure many of your listeners are, are well aware of, and, and his very unique and indeed um, insightful story. So Connor um, has got, uh, thankfully come on board with our webinar next Thursday night at 7.30. And I suppose we're very keen to promote that it isn't just about Connor. His is a very um, I suppose, educational story for us all to learn from. Um, so we'll have two of our club members um, who 
sort of work in this field, um, having a discussion with him rather than an interview. And it will be very laid back. But I think your interest, uh, your listeners will find it very interesting. But also, as part of the webinar, we'll be having a Q&A panel. And we've got five or six really, really diverse characters there that there's young players. There's uh, We have Linda Collins, the captain of the Cork uh, Camogie team this year. Ger Rice from Kinsale Youth Support Services and, and other kind of people that can give their perspective on what Connor's discussion has started. And really, the ultimate aim of this webinar is to signpost everybody, whether you are a person that's expressing or experiencing difficulties at this time, or maybe you're supporting somebody in your family or community that needs that help. So we'll be giving signposts to various different services and, and help that is available out there. So there you go. Like you mentioned there, John, um, Conor Cusick, he's a, he's a great mental health ad advocate and he's done superb work over the last couple of years in this field. And, and, and you're right, the last 12 months or so, they've been very tough on people. It's been a very challenging 12 months for people of all ages. So this just helps, I suppose, Help, help, helps the conversation, helps people to talk. And like you said, you might help signposts kind of certain elements that people can look out for. So it's 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 really keeping the conversation about mental health going. Yes, uh, we've been very fortunate, uh, Kieran. We, we have a hashtag. Um, hopefully your readers will have already have seen this on their social medias over the, the recent past. So our hashtag is talk to someone. And that's one of the key takeaways from this webinar. Um and I suppose we're quite um, keen to promote the fact as well that we're exploring topics like the wisdom of kindness. And that's very relevant to GAA clubs and communities at the moment. If we look at how the club stepped up to the, the plate last year in terms of delivering prescriptions or groceries, and, and that kind of awakened that powerful sleeping giant of volunteerism that is innate in Irish people. Um, we, we, I think we're increasingly aware of the, the support through talk, whether that's talking to a, a trusted friend, a club mate, a, a perhaps a coach, but also perhaps a trained professional if needs be. Um, we want to promote the idea of hope. We're on that final hurdle of COVID-19, one would hope at this point with vaccinations now happening. And, and giving people guidance on how to not just deal with mental health, but actually, if I am well, how do I stay well? So the protective and preventative measures and, and really just to allow people in an increasingly diverse society to feel comfortable with their own individuality uh, and, and to be their real self. It's an absolutely brilliant initiative and congratulations and well done to everyone who's involved. And like we said, John, the social media hashtag is hashtag talk to someone. And over the last couple of days, we've seen the likes of Cork footballer Orla Finn, Tomas O'Shea, international soccer star Conor Horan from Bend and GA Club. They've all come on board on social media to promote this event, to let people know that it's this Thursday night, March 11th at 7.30pm. And listeners are probably asking now, John, how can they join the event on Thursday? Yeah, a good point to, to, to bring us to a finish there, Kieran. So it's very simple. On the day of the event, we will have the webinar link posted on all of the courses and social medias on Twitter and Facebook, but equally so our partners in uh, in the right throughout the Cork GA community and other stakeholders will be promoting that link. But very simply, you can go to CourseyRovers.com home of the senior Camogie County champions, I might add. And uh, we have a special page there where you can find the link for it. 
Fantastic, John. Thanks for joining us and best of luck on Thursday night. Thank you, Karen. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast and we're just going to preview this week's sports section before we wrap things up. And Kieran, I had a sneak preview of this week's front page yesterday and it's a good one, I have to say. So maybe tell the listeners what they can expect to see on the front page when they pick up their copy of the Southern Star this Thursday. We touched it earlier, Jack, that it was a superb Saturday. I'm going to christen it Super Saturday for Nakanidi in um, in Bellanine, where Phil Healy had her best ever finish in a major championship. So she finished fourth, and then Orla Cronin won her first ever Camogie All-Star. So um, their their former primary school released a superb photo of, of Orla and Phil in their national school days. So just let's just say that we're using that photo on the front page of this Thursday Southern Star. So it's well worth checking out. I think it's a collector's item to be quite honest. I think it's a quite a brilliant front page. So expect a lot of Phil Healy and Orla Cronin in this Thursday Southern Star as we celebrate the, the, um, their achievements. We also have a tribute to Ned Cleary, the Castlehaven GA legend who passed away last weekend. Ned Cleary is, I suppose he's... Um, He's he's commonly known, well, he's applauded for how he transformed the fortunes of Castlehaven GA Club when he arrived in the parish many, many years ago. So we have a very fitting tribute from Tom Lyons for the late Ned Cleary. We have a lovely interview too with Shirley Maloney of Corsi Rovers GA Club. Um, she's been one of the driving forces behind Corsi Rovers Camogie over the last couple of years. Also, Jack, we have two pages of rugby this week because that's going to lead into next week where we have a 16-page special on the growth of West Cork rugby. And I'm just going to say that again. In next week's Southern Star, we have a 16-page special on the growth of West Cork rugby that is worth it. It's an absolutely brilliant um, special. And we'll talk about that more next week. But in this week's Star, I have an interview with Andrea Stock. She's a former Bentry Bay um, rugby player who's now playing with Wasps ladies over in London. So great story there. We also have an interview with Jack Walsh, the Valley Rovers player who's now turned striker with Cork City FC. Um, we have an uh, interview with Christina Desmond, like we heard Jack talking earlier. Holly O'Sullivan, well-known in Carby Rangers and Cork football circles um, for his role with Carby Rangers as a player and a manager. But we're talking to him this week about his road bowling. So um, from that alone, Jack, there's a load in this week's Southern Star. So well worth checking out this Thursday in shops and online. Yeah, as Kieran mentioned, if you can't make it to the shops, you can buy the Southern Star online. Just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can read the Southern Star on your computer, tablet or smartphone for less than €2 Euro per week. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week with a West Cork rugby special. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán Tomal.